0: I have a cheek being on this podcast to have a family. That's all I think I was dreaming about as a six-year-old child. There's no that can hurt you as much or any rejection that can hurt you as much as feeling like your own mum or dad doesn't want you. I went to the worst primary school in the borough and then I ended up in the worst high school in the borough I started with a group of like five kids in a youth centre and kind of just like dedicated a lot of time to training them because I enjoyed it and then they ended up winning like European championships, northwest championships and UK championships if I fell my mum was there so I had the freedom to go and explore and do what I want to do but I had the comfort to come back to the person who I needed most whenever I needed to who will be there with no judgment and that is a really 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 powerful thing and the moment I said I need help, I had the help within whatever capacity she could give it to me. So the dance school was 10 last year. This year is like a growth year. You know when the ball's rolling and there's momentum? It feels like validation. The women's game was an accident. One WSL player, I think, will probably have a few more WSL players by the end of the month. If I reflect, I'll start to feel like what I've done is enough. You know, I really dislike on my birthday getting messages like so proud of everything you've achieved. The messages that I would prefer are...
1: And welcome to the Everyday Leadership podcast where you get to listen and learn how to lead yourself personally and professionally through the lessons and life experiences my guests share in hope that it challenges and inspires you to lead yourself from the inside out and not the outside in. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Leadership. Today I have... Tina Rihanna with me. She is an amazing multi-award. When I say multi, she got awards for days. Multi-award winning mom, choreographer, social entrepreneur, culture consultant, and she's the founder of both the Aim High Academy and the Purpose Agency. And It's an absolute pleasure to actually have you here, because I've been following your career for the last number of years, and you've been doing so many amazing things, and I'm so looking forward to just delving into that story and that journey. So thank you for saying yes to coming on. Thanks for having me. I am going to ask you right from the jump, actually, when I introduce you, which is quite brief intentionally, what are the things that are missing from your bio that you'd like people to say about you?
0: I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think I actually reflect enough, to be honest, to even answer that question. When I, when I send over a bio, I've been asked to write a bio, it's, it's usually in a rush. I should probably craft it a bit more, to be honest.
1: Let's do it live. What would you say? What would you, what would you say about you if you were just to be like, this is what I want people to know about me? What are the important things to you?
0: That my biggest passion is social mobility. That would probably be, That's probably what should be there, more so.
1: Why social mobility?
0: I just really, really fervently believe that everybody should have, um, even if they're not necessarily equal opportunities, but equity. I think everybody deserves a right to dream. I think dreams give us hope and are very fulfilling. And I don't think that everybody always gets the chance to even dream. And those that do get the chance to dream sometimes don't get the chance to fulfill. And I think that's sad.
1: It's interesting when I hear you talk about giving other people opportunities to dream. The question I, there are two questions i only ever ask in every single episode. Everything else is always completely different. But for you, I'm going to change it slightly differently. Because you, your background, your journey to where you are right now is very different to most. What were you dreaming about as a six-year-old child?
0: To have a family. That that's 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 all I think I was dreaming about as a six-year-old child to have a family.
1: Cause your journey was you were you were adopted.
0: Yeah, and I was as in Cairn and I was adopted and I was adopted by a single mum. So one thing that I always wanted is like that kind of nuclear family. As much as I'm I'm super grateful for my life. I mean, I couldn't have asked for any more support. But I think as a six-year-old, knowing where you've come from, you know, you kind of just really want that traditional family.
1: How did that dream for? guess traditional family for more people around you then lead you into dancing at 13 and leading a group of people and taking on I guess that leadership from a very young age
0: that kind of just happened it's a weird one I I I don't think I realized what I was doing at 13 I was just doing what I thought I enjoyed and um I went to a local youth center and um, well, no, that's not how it started. Actually, it a, I had a, I met a girl called Corinne, and she was like, took me to this youth centre where she, where there's just basically, it's like a youth art centre, and I'd never seen anything like it before in my life. You know, I went, I grew up in Old Trafford, and I went to the worst primary school in the borough, and then I ended up in the worst high school in the borough, so both were on special measures by the time I left. Um, eventually when I was 13 actually my mum made me take my 11 plus and moved me to grammar school which I think drastically changed my I don't know if it drastically changed my ambitions because I think I've always been an ambitious person but it drastically changed my surroundings and expectations of what I could aspire to because I didn't know if that makes sense um, so yeah when I was when I was 13 um, I, I went into this youth youth art centre and there was a theater, and there was an art studio, and there was a dance studio, and there was just opportunity to create. And I think I was just like, wow! And I'd always wanted to dance, and my mum would usually support me and everything. Like she paid for my singing lessons, she paid for my piano lessons, but for some reason, she just wasn't interested in dance. So I started at a local youth center and picked up a yellow pages and found a dance class and just told her, "This is how much money you are the dance school. Can I have it?" And I just went myself. Um. And I think it was just an expression of a lot of the frustration that I was feeling as as a as a young person trying to figure out who I was and it just so happened that the the woman who was um the manager of the youth center was also adopted, and she was the first person that I'd ever met who was adopted, so I think that kind of created a bond where that youth centre became a bit more than just a youth centre if you know what I mean and she took me under her wing and she showed me how to apply for funding and she showed me how to do things and she just had conversations with me that no one else could have with me about how it feels when you have children or like how it feels to want to look for your birth parents or how it feels when you feel different to everybody else and you don't know where you're from and you don't know your background and how do you explain things to people have certain conversations there was no one else until I was in that youth centre that could explain that to me.
1: Did it feel, even at that point in time, having someone to have those conversations with you, did it actually make you feel like you were seen for once? Like you'd actually have someone that you could relate to, or you could connect with in a very different way to like your your mum or those around you at that point in time?
0: It's weird because I don't think I felt seen because she was white. So her experience was totally different. So I can't say I felt seen But I think I felt more understood. So there was parts of me that felt understood, but I still couldn't feel seen because she's not experiencing a lot of the identity issues that come with being adopted when you are of different heritage. So my my adoptive mummy is black and she's Jamaican. And actually until I I was 30... And I met my dad for the first time. I thought I was Jamaican because my record said I was Jamaican. And it found, turned out I'm Grenadian. And um, my, when I questioned my mum, because she, she she was a social worker for 30 years, she said that basically they just used to say that anyone from the Caribbean was Jamaican a lot of the time. So my other half is um, um, Bangladeshi. But my mum told me that I was Pakistani when I was 13. I didn't even know I was mixed until then. I was convinced I was black, and then I came home from school one day and I was like, Mom, everybody's saying that I'm not black. Why is everyone saying that? It's not fair. Like, it's making me feel different. And she was like, Well, you're not. And I was like, What do you mean? And she was like, Oh, you have Pakistani? I said, How? And then she was like, I was like, She was like, Oh, your birth name. Like, she told me, and then she was like, It was Mia Begum. And I said, That's the most Bengali name. Are you sure I'm from Pakistan? She was like, Yeah. Got my records at 18, of course. It said Bangladesh. I said, Mom. And she was like, what My mum's like she's like almost seventy three in Jamaican, you know. I used to live with my grandma. My grandma's birthday was like you know the first of January, so it's it's <laughs> it, <laughs> it's just the kind of family and and, and lineage. So I don't know if you, you you've experienced anything similar, but it is kind of those things sometimes are just kind of by the by. I remember being about thirteen actually. And my uncle coming in the in 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 the house and he'd. I Think he had to renew. He had to do something and get his birth certificate anyway, and found out that my grandma, for forty years, had told him his birthday was wrong. Told him it was the wrong day. It's just how my family are. They're just.
1: But to be fair, a lot of uh, when you're looking about the old school Caribbean culture and African culture, in particular, that's how it was. Like dates and things like that were just it's just a number. It it is what it is because that was never like principle to them. And it's it's sad in a sense, but that was their own lived experiences, and then other people like you experienced that. Some of that was like, ah, okay, I, I didn't know, and just kind of kept it moving. But it sounds like by the age of thirteen, you've gone through a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the age, um, do you know what? It's all relative, isn't it? Because I definitely had experienced a lot emotionally, and I don't think you fully process what you've experienced until you're an adult. So it didn't feel that much for me, and then at the same time, I'm living in an area where, actually, at first time, at 13, the most prominent thing in the area that I'm living in is a lot of gang violence, gun crime. So, you know, it that those problems felt little when you're running away from gunshots at parties every week. You know what I mean? So it it it. it it's not (laughs) life-threatening, so so it doesn't, it doesn't feel like anything, Um, and it's not to say that I was necessarily involved in that kind of thing, it was just, that was my surroundings, that was my environment.
1: A couple of weeks ago I was speaking to someone, and we were talking about like, dealing with like racist attacks and different things like that growing up as a teenager, and I said to him, it's weird how we have normalized a lot of that stuff as young kids, because it's like, it's dangerous, you could die. But the fact that you didn't, it was just like, it's part of our growing up and it is what it is. But to your point, though, all of those different elements of navigating that and making it through, but also the emotional things that you're going through as a young age, they still leave their imprint and scars on on you. But it sounds like for you, it also drove you to do something very, very different.
0: I have this, I've had this discussion, discussion a, a, a bit, actually, I think. I'm not mad at my, you know what, sometimes I think now, I think actually in the last couple of years, I have become a little bit more like, oh, this is a bit long, like, you know what I mean? Like this starting life, I'm really starting to see you get to your 30s and you start to see people you're thinking, how did they get there? And you see the leg up that they get. And, and so now it's, it feels a bit like, oh, you know what I mean? But I don't think, I, I don't, I don't actually resent my situation or feel any way about it because, I think I live in a situation or I've had a lived experience that will always keep me grounded now, do you know what I mean? so like no matter what I go on to achieve, I can't ever imagine myself being not being grounded because I've come from a place where I always say this there's no I don't personally believe there's any no that can hurt you as much or any rejection that can hurt you as much as feeling like your own mum or dad doesn't want you. And growing up with that and living with that. So don't get me wrong, my adopted mum's been brilliant, like she has, but it, it, and and I love her to death and I'd never change it for the world. But it's nev- that 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 thing with rejection, it's never you know, it's 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 not gonna not be there because I was adopted. You know what I mean? So I think, I think from my perspective, like it's driven me, but it's more I've, 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 my drive is still there, but it's calmed a bit. It comes from a different place now. I think initially what it was more so was, um, what it was more so was feeling, feeling like I had to prove to myself that I'm worth something. So, like, I I had to achieve because I had to feel like I'm worth something. Like, but I don't necessarily feel like that as much anymore.
1: Is that a good thing for you? Not feeling like you need to prove yourself anymore. Does it feel like there's a weight off your shoulders now and you can just still go hard and still achieve amazing things, but it's not fueled by that, like you said, that desire to prove something to prove your worth? Is that a good thing for you, do you feel?
0: Yeah, do you know what? A lot of my kind of let's say pain lessened when I had my son at twenty two. That really helped shape. And now as my kids are older, I think um, it's it's re- that that burden being less has allowed me to. I've I mean don't get me wrong. I've always wanted to be the best mother I can be, but actually take my time with my children and choose the choose and be more proactive about choosing balance for the sake of my children. So I can be as present as possible because presence doesn't necessarily mean being there. It's more mental actually taking the time to actually listen to them and, and speak to them, you know, and, and stay on top of their life and what they want and what they need. And I think the absence of kind of feeling weighed down by constantly feeling the need to achieve all the time, um that, that relinquishes some mental pressure for me to be able to be a bit more free and thought.
1: How do you get that balance? Because you're a mother of two kids, you're on two organizations. That's a lot.
0: It is, but I think it's um I don't think there's any such thing as balance. Sometimes I do Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. Agree.
1: I don't agree either. I don't. I don't believe in balance. So that's why I was like, I want to. I want to get your take, and I was like, I'm going to use your words. I was like, I don't believe in balance, but yeah. Yeah,
0: I. I don't. I don't believe in balance. I think I believe in seasons. So like, for instance, or ta- periods of time. So like, over Christmas, I made the conscious effort to decide, and even up until this last weekend, I didn't go to like my godson's party. I didn't go to like that annual Christmas dinner we usually do. With with my girls, I literally stayed inside because I knew that this year it was probably going to be very hectic. I need some time. I need some time to think. Um, my mum is super supportive. Um, like she retired four weeks after I had my son to support me, start a business. Um, and their dad, to be fair, you know, he definitely It's It's almost like we have one child each. He um, does a lot of my son's football. So I don't need to worry too much about his extracurricular. And I do a lot of my daughter's dance and gymnastics. And obviously she's at my dance school um, twice a a week. Um, And so I get to nip into my dance school twice a week. But then also on on weekends and stuff. So, um, So for instance on Monday I've got to be in London. Monday to Thursday. And then I've got to be in Spain Friday. Or Saturday to Friday, so that's why I made sure that I cancelled every engagement beforehand because I knew what was coming and I need to spend that time with my children.
1: So it's so about being intentional and prioritising. Those are seem like the key, the key things for you, and I guess it takes discipline as well because a lot of people who talk about family is important to me. But it's like, yeah, but I need to go out, I need to grind, I need to do X, Y, Z, because I'm doing it for the family, but you never actually spend time with your family. But you're being very much more intentional and be like, no, my kids are my priority, and I need to create that space. And, I mean, sacrificing not doing certain things I normally do, that's okay because I know what's coming in front of me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I try my best. Like, I think even the next couple of weeks, this will be the longest period of time that I've spent away from my children, but I knew it was coming. I knew this life was about to start this year. I've said to myself, I've given myself 18 months. Um, I said, 18 months, and then I will, I will do my best to slow down. But I know that this year is like a, a growth year. I've had so the dance school was 10 um last year. And I can, you know, when the ball's rolling and there's momentum. The ball is just rolling. And I know that I I can't slow that ball down. So it's just about putting everything in place, doing as much as I can for the next 18 months, and then I'll be a bit more intentional, and hopefully I can send staff out to do a lot of what I'm doing now. But right now, I know it has to be me.
1: The dance school is rolling. There's momentum with that. But the agency is also rolling.
0: Yeah, everything's rolling at the moment. (laughs) Everything's rolling. And do you know what? Like, like, It's, it's just, it it feels like validation that the amount, because I used to have, like, my mum is still, she's not, I wouldn't say she's totally traditional, but she is still like, she used to make comments like, you've not put your kids to bed in four nights. You know, because I asked her to put them to bed because, you know, if I put them to bed, I'm going to fall asleep and I can't afford to fall asleep because... I put on nursery rhymes and lullabies and I fall asleep on their bedroom floor and I need to stay up till 1am to work. So I ask her to do it. Um, And it just feels like validation that sometimes not doing those things and and working sometimes 16, 18 hours a day was worth it because the amount of wins that we get now on a yearly, monthly basis, don't get me wrong, we we take L's as well, but the big wins, you know, they, they come from the dance school, the kids agency, the influencer agency, like on a personal level, like it's, it's not just from one place. And that's because I spent so much time working very hard and sometimes not knowing whether it's going to be worth it. I feel like I always knew it was going to be, but I I, I couldn't not be, but you still don't know for certain.
1: So what is it you do in the meantime, then that restores you, that gives you some of that, not just energy but creativity as well because a lot of what you do is creative
0: um nothing right now and that needs to change the 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 main thing but i know i know that until september i don't get a break so like at christmas i knew that my next break would not be until next christmas i knew that
1: how does that feel for you
0: i was sad <laughs> i was sad i think i might get 3 days at easter but i know that's it i'm not getting a break What I do do to get a bit of time is um, I like to travel. So I'll travel with my kids. So, like, for instance, I'm trying to work out how much time I can spend away um, without their dad telling me off about my son's football. But I think I'm trying to do three and a half weeks, but it'll be minimum, like, just over two and a half weeks in, like, South America with the kids. Oh,
1: nice.
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll do things like that. And I'll still work, but, you know, I've spent... I spent three weeks away with them last year we went to five different countries in three weeks and that's what I'll do a lot of the time is I'll just take them and travel with them so they have my attention and they're with me all day every day um, I still have to work from my phone don't get me wrong but that's what I like to do that's how I manage to find that headspace for my children
1: Have you finished your MBA now?
0: I have a cheek being on this podcast right now I've got free assignments due in a week <laughs> One on marketing and supply chains, one on um, the economic development of the Women's Super League and another one on um, leadership.
1: Oh, uh, Tina, you are... <laughs> <laughs> wow. So studying, businesses, everything else. I guess that's why you look at your year and be like, okay, it's, it's a full-on year. But the,
0: the reality is, so I got a full scholarship to this MBA, which, like, obviously is great. And I, like... I'm, I'm aware that this MBA is accelerating everything that I do. So I don't feel aggrieved about balancing this much at all because I'm learning so much as I'm growing in the same field that I'm doing my MBA in.
1: You said you got a free scholarship. From what I recall, scholarships are only given out to outstanding individuals. What was the process like for you applying and getting your scholarship? How did that feel for you as well I know you just glossed over it quite quickly but that's actually remarkable to get one for your MBA
0: you know it was a sky diversity scholarship like they want more 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 diverse people in football so I wrote an application about what I do and and what I've been doing in the women's football space and um yeah I got a scholarship
1: what is it that you're doing in in the women's game um I know you've done some amazing work with Mary Epps and helped her to grow her, her social impact. So what, what is it about the, the women's game that you're actually focused on and why the women's game?
0: The women's game was an accident, to be honest. Basically what happened is, i try and cut a long story short, had the dance school and my good friend Tom Malone Jr. who was on Gogglebox was teaching for me, he was teaching breakdance and we'd known each other since we were teenagers. And I kept saying, it's a travesty. You've got 17,000 followers on Instagram And 8,000 followers on TikTok. Um, You should have more. So over the space of. I don't know. Maybe a year or so. We managed to grow in from a total of 25,000. Between both platforms. To 1.2 million. So we do a video. So he becomes an influencer. And we do a video on it. And Mary Ertz loves Gogglebox. And she sees a video. And she DMs me. And she's like. Do you think you can do this for me? So I was like. Yeah, like let's have a call. So we spoke on Zoom, because at the time it was 2021, we were still more or less like in and out of lockdowns. And um it was early 2021 and um she was like, I'm about think I'm about to retire. You know, I know that I need to build myself in this field if I want a pitch up, if I want um if I want a career off pitch but still working in and around football. So I said, okay, cool. And When I asked her what she wants to achieve, the first things that she said was, she told me that she wants to leave the women's game in a better place and she wants to make goalkeeping cool. So I said, all right, cool. That's my brief then. Yeah. So that's what we did. We worked together to build a brand. This was before the WSL was televised. And um, it's ironic because at the time I was co-managing Tom with a guy. Because I didn't know how to manage an influencer agency So I'd gone to him and said oh please can you help me And he's like yeah let's go like Let's go in together on Tom And I kept bringing him talent and kept saying no But then I brought in Mary and I was just like I really want to work for her Because I'm a United fan anyway She's a goalkeeper there's only like one main goalkeeper in the team So surely there's something we can do And um, He turned around and said to me You take her by yourself I don't know what I'm going to do With a female goalkeeper So I said cool
1: And
0: then we started working together
1: I was asking, are you still working with him now or are you doing it solely by yourself?
0: Um, no, solely by myself. We stopped working together. Start working together a, a while ago. <laughs> <Can you> imagine <laughs> At the end of that year we stopped working together.
1: Do you like working by yourself or do you like working with other people and co collaborating?
0: Bit of both. I like being able to lead things in a creative manner. It's almost like being able to see out my own vision, if you know what I mean. But I like working with people to do it. But I'm lucky because I work with some really cool people on my agency that I've known for a long time. Um, but now it's it's time to also get a lot of it. like I think as we're growing now, we're looking at hiring externally because we need that external presence to and that external knowledge to grow. But it's been really cool. It's like gonna it, this year's basically the end of an era for the agency, to be honest. In what way? It's kind of, the way it grew, I didn't even really expect it to grow. And I used staff out of the dance school. So, like, they were just freelancing, doing bits and bobs. And then it's ended up a full-time job, them doing influencer management or whatever. And then we, we hired another girl. But it's all very, very, like, we're all really cool. Like, it's all very friendly. Like, just, it's hard to explain. We have such a nice vibe. Um, and we all really understand each other. But basically, it's time to bring in some external knowledge and and, um, uh, and professionals that are going to really support me in, in, in growing the business um, from from another business. And, and, and that's that's going to change the dynamic of, of how we work and run.
1: You have ran sky High for the last 10 years. You've got a purpose agency won loads of awards, you're doing your MBA right now, you're thriving. What is it? What's next for you? What is it that you want to achieve for the next five years? I'm curious.
0: I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know right now. I'm enjoying what I do. You know, we've got one WSL player, I think by the end of the month. You know, we've only got Mary. I I, I took Mary on. And Mary was like one of our influencers, And now she's become, we've done some stuff in a space that is super cool, you know. And I think it's quite, quite groundbreaking, if I don't say so myself, for the space of women's football. And so now it's like we'll probably have a few more WSL players by the end of the month. We've got three of the England rugby girls and I'm really enjoying building personal brands for women in sport We're just starting to work with our first male football player not really interested in men to be fair but um this one's this one's interested um not interested interesting so I, i'm I'm cool and and there is kind of like a mutual friend there um between the plays agent and myself so you know, it, it feels organic, which is what I like. Um, and I want to be in this space for a bit and I'm enjoying it. And I, I I mean, I grew up in Old Trafford, you know, the 99 parade went past my house. So I do, I do enjoy, I enjoy football um, as a spectator. <laughs> my, I, had, um... <laughs>
1: I was going to ask, like, have you ever have you played before? Like, you in
0: know, well, when I was a kid, you know, I used to play, but like, not anything serious. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know, like there's, there's, there's more to be done. I want to stay in this space for a while, see where we go with it. You know, I've had a couple of clubs talk to me about maybe like consulting for them, the women's clubs. Um, I don't know if that's a space that I do want to go into. Um, you know, we've had, um, brands reach out and ask us to deliver influencer campaigns, We've had a couple of big brands that we've done that for, like without even trying. Like we done one for Paco Rabanne, um, we done one for um, Nike the other day, and that's not like with a proper setup. You know what I mean? It's just we can kind of do this. Um, so it's about whether we decide to like do that as a as as a strand to our business or not. It's about whether I decide whether I want to be a consultant. Um, you know, I I I don't I don't know where this is gonna go. All I know is I'm enjoying the ride. <laughs> and um and that's something that we really need to figure out is is where we're going to sit now i enjoy building people's personal brands i really really do enjoy that the only thing that i know that i do want to do for the next two years is open children's care homes
1: if you haven't already can you please follow the podcast it really helps us grow, and it tells the apps that it's a podcast worth listening to, which the fact that you're listening to means that it is, and other people need to know about it. In Apple Podcast, if you click the three dots in the top right of your app, look for the follow button and click on it, and in Spotify, the follow button should be just below the show's artwork. Now let's get back into today's episode. Before we go into why you wanna. I'm curious, if I was to go back to your 13 year old self that we were talking about, were you actually any good at dance?
0: No, I remember mum taking me to Jamaica when I was like, when did we go to Jamaica? I think I was eight and she sent me to school there while we were there and the kids stood in the playground and laughed at me because I couldn't dance. I think that is probably why I, I wanted to learn how to dance because I knew I couldn't.
1: But that didn't hold you back and think that, you know what, this is not for me. Instead, you thought, yeah, I'm, I'm going to learn. I'm going to do this. I'm going to prove that wrong. Yeah,
0: because I loved it. I loved it. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> so I wanted to learn how
1: to do it. But then it sounds like you learned in quite a short space of time. Because you went from learning yourself to starting to teach other people and then growing it out in a number of years.
0: Yeah, that that's me, though. Like, I, like, hyper focus. So like if I enjoy something like I remember going to brownies and getting like 13 badges in one year and then decided I was done. You know, it's <laughs> it's just how I am. If I want if I'm going to do something I just like it's just everything. I just do it.
1: Did you ever once think of you rather than teaching other people actually becoming a full-time dancer and and doing that for yourself only?
0: I did. But my I did, but my um my mum told me just to try and go to go university. First she said, just go to college, go to college, get some a levels so I said, Okay. And then she went, Well, you got into Manchester Uni now, why don't you just go and give it a go? So I said, All right. And then by the end of it, I think I was like I'm cool. I still loved it. But like I just don't think the space, especially at that time, was for me. It was just it was just a lot, it's like it's very image-based, constantly got to make sure that you look a certain way, can't put on weight, you know. It's not as bad now, but when I was, like, you're talking six, 16, 16 years ago, and my dad's teacher constantly telling me that he thinks that I need to trim down. It's, um, it's a lot to have on your head at that age, you know what I
1: mean? And how did you make sure that in your school it was different?
0: Our school was kids, so it wasn't really about having teenagers and sending them into that professional world, do you know what I mean? Where we're going to be putting that on their head. Our school was more about, it's, it started, well, our school technically started 10 years ago, if you're talking, putting a name on it, but the work we were doing, I mean, I've been, was starting to teach other kids it we were talking about 16 years ago. Mm. So if we're talking about from when it started, I started with a group of like five kids in a youth center. And kind of just like dedicated a lot of time to training them because I enjoyed it. And then they ended up winning like European Championships, Northwest Championships, and UK Championships. And I think they came second up World Championships. And then you go, OK, cool, going to grow this. And then it just grows. It just grew organically.
1: How do you do? Do you do well with pressure? Do you like it? Do you rise to it?
0: feel like I must do. That's why I'm doing three assignments in three weeks and I'm sat here I'm, <laughs> in, in one week, I mean, and I'm sat here on a podcast for an hour and a half because it must just be how I work, you know, because I wouldn't put myself through this on a consistent basis. But yeah, I think, I think I do work well under pressure. There's a balance of pressure, obviously, but I do work well under pressure, deadlines, wanting to do better. I always want to do well at what I do. I don't like feeling like I don't have a good job. My mum always told me I have to have pride and shame. You know? So she basically like, do, what you, do your job well. You know? She always told me that.
1: So what's been your most proud moment to date so far then?
0: Don't know. Nothing springs to mind. Um. Nothing springs to mind, to be honest.
1: Are you one of those people who do a lot and don't ever really spend time reflecting on how far you have come or what the journey's been like? It's like, I'm on to, I'm on to the next one. I'm going, i got momentum moving. And I just kind of keep on looking looking forward and never looking backwards, really. That's me.
0: I think part of me gets worried that if I reflect, I'll start to feel like what I've done is enough. Or get a little bit complacent. Not not like what I've done is enough, but if I actually look at what we've done last year, we did do quite a lot, but I've not sat down to look at it because I don't want to slow myself down this year. I want to still feel like I'm in a rat race.
1: But then isn't there a different perspective that says actually if you look at how far you've gone it then pushed you further, but be like, oh, if we could do that last year without thinking about it. Imagine if we were a lot more intentional or focused, actually I know you're already hyper-focused anyway, what we could do in the next year or so and take it to like 3x, 5x, 10x, that. So that doesn't slow you down, it actually gives you further impetus.
0: I reflect in terms of a business sense, in terms of what's the revenue been, what are the new clients, how can we make sure we get more clients, how can we build on that, Mm. but I don't reflect personally a lot of the time, if that makes sense. It does. I reflect personally on on the person that I'm becoming, Mm -hmm. but I don't reflect on achievements.
1: Are they important to you?
0: Achievements. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, they're nice to have, right? Mm-hmm. But the person you're becoming is much more important.
1: Who's that person that you want to become?
0: I understand that as you grow, you change. But I think the essence of who I've always been I quite like and I don't want to change it too much. There's there's not... There are things that obviously I, I want to work on about myself and like, I will continuously work on. But like I even like I looked on my Facebook memories last week and saw a post that I'd written and I realised that the level of and depth of reflection that I used to do, I don't even consider anymore. And that that bothers me. And I want to change that.
1: Because that lines up with kind of what we're talking about right now though. In terms of what you said around the, the reflection and not really thinking about it and just kind of keep on going. In and
0: I think, I think the reflection was more so on... The reflective post that I read was me, basically, like, all the things my mum had done to support me to make sure that I could do what I wanted to do. And I forgot some of them. And that really bothered me, that I'd forgot some of the things that she's done. Like, that they weren't... That I hadn't... That I hadn't that, that I hadn't stopped to think about how much I've been supported that bothered me a lot, so that's something that like I'm just really i i do like for instance, before I've done that, you know, I do things like you know at the end of last year, anybody who I know did support me without reading that message. You know, I sent them a bunch of flowers and said, thank you for your support in 2024. You've done this for me. I notice it. I hear you. I see you. It's appreciated. Um, I mean, in 2023. Um, And I hope you have a great 2024. Thank you always. So I will do things like that. But I think I don't always reflect on the, the So I can say, oh, you've been there for me. But then I don't think I go, right, you've been there for me. So how did that actually change things? You know what I mean? Like, what could the course have been if I didn't have someone there? Or what could the course have been if, you know what I mean? That depth of gratitude, I think I've, I've, it's gone by the wayside a bit. I don't want to lose that.
1: What has your, you've talked about your mum a number of times and the things that she gave you and provided for you and opportunities that she opened up for you. What have been some of the key defining lessons that you learned from your mum?
0: Oh my gosh right. Let me get this post up right because' gonna I'm gonna read some of it because I can't remember that off the top of my head, but let me just read some of it and and this sums it, this sums her up, right because I genuinely just think what she's thought. so it says um i' I'll, I'll read it, yeah, so it says, "I had the ability to surpass my mother." in achievements and I believe I did and will continue to grow beyond that because she pushed me to be educated in every sense, academic, university, singing, etc. Anything I wanted. She instilled the ethics of hard work, not being expecting, taking criticism on the chin, having thick skin, etc. But didn't interfere and try and shape my decisions and thought processes. Every time I was devastated about failing something, she didn't try and tell me it's okay to do something rubbish. She told me at least you tried your best and you can do better next time. Just be proud of the journey you are on and endeavour to be your best. Instead, she explained that there were consequences to my own decisions and let me figure out my own growth. Although she believed education was important, she made me go to grammar school to make sure I had a better chance of succeeding. She didn't push me to choose academic studies and she didn't force me to stop dancing around my exam. She let me learn from my own mistakes when I had 33% in co- attendance in college for some of my subjects. She let me learn the hard way when I decided just not to show up for some of my exams in uni. She told me it was my choice and she didn't force me to take a scholarship The scholarship that I received from my masters, although I decided to. However, when I told her I wanted to take a group of kids to Las Vegas at 17 to compete at World Hip Hop Championship, she paid for herself to come with me. Age 18, she borrowed me £4,000 so we we could get there again. She borrowed me thousands of pounds at a time at the beginning of Ash to tide over my cash flow at times. And she believed in me and retired four weeks after I had my son to look after him when I promised her I will look after her and make sure I buy a house for us both to live in. She paid for all my bills. For three months when I first had my son and when I asked her to so that I didn't have to get a job and I could build and be self-employed instead of getting a normal nine-to-five, she supported me in every sense to set myself and my kids up. Honestly, the older I get, the more I realise how lucky I am. I will do the same for my kids, not interfere with their decisions, but just guide them with good principles, morally and spiritually, and know those foundations will lead to the right decisions no matter how they get there with a wholehearted belief in them from me and my wholehearted support. I felt fine to pursue my dreams because I knew my mum had my back no matter what I chose and the comfort. And that comfort made me feel comfortable to explore and try. I would do that for it and even more for my kids so they can succeed me. One of the most important things I've learned from being around so many people, especially in the creative sector, is to let your child follow their dreams and just support it and stay out of their decisions. Support with no judgement but still with with realistic home truths. My mum's belief in me made me feel like I can do anything. Don't tell your child there are so many dances, it's too hard to make it, or being a musician is a dream, or directing for big artists is a big dream. Focus on something else and do that on the side. Make them feel like they can achieve anything with hard work and the likelihood is they will. A happy person is better than a depressed person with a good job or a nine to five. Life's pointless when you're not happy. My mum being that way means she gifted me happiness and I think that's the best long-term thing you can ever give your child.
1: That is powerful, beautiful, amazing.
0: Thanks, yeah. So I, I read that. That was like four or five years ago now.
1: Sounds like your mum gave you the audacity for you to, to dream. <laughs> like yeah. I started yeah. saying right at the start. Yeah. I gave you the audacity for you to dream and you ran with it.
0: Yeah, I think she just gave me all the support in the world in every way that I needed. But more so, I think what I realised is you need that. You need. I had that comfort pillow and cushion to know that. If I fell, my mum was there. Mm -hmm. So I had the freedom to go and explore and do what I want to do. But I had the comfort to come back to the person who I needed most whenever I needed to, who will be there with no judgment. And, and, And that is a really, really, really powerful thing. And the moment I said I need help, I had the help. Within whatever capacity she could give it to me. And... And I think that that the way she parented in, in, in those ways, you know, the fact that I was allowed to not turn up for my exams in university and she just said, this is your decision, but you suffer the consequences, you know, and didn't get annoyed at me, but just explained to me what her thoughts were. The fact that I didn't go into university, um, college sometimes, and she didn't get annoyed at me. She just kind of, laid out my options and told me that you know it's it's not right to disrespect people like that like if you're meant to be in college and there's other people that want to be there you choose whether you're going to be there or you or you're not you need to communicate with your form tutors as to why you're not there if you don't want to be there and you go in and she always always used to tell me you face your problems head on you know like if you if you need to do something you communicate with people about the problems that you have you can't hide away from them If you don't want to be there, go and tell them that you don't want to be there. And if you want to be there and you put yourself there, follow it through. You have two choices. But she never got angry or forced me to do anything. And I think that was really powerful because I think I matured probably very quickly. And I I learned to navigate my own decision making, which made my decision making more. Is it the word astute? A lot quicker than people whose parents would not give them those choices.
1: So earlier, you mentioned wanting to build a children's care home. Is that due to the fact that your mom gave you love, support, freedom of choice, all the different things that you had that made you who you are today? And that's why you want to build a children's care home, so you can give that back to other children, give them some directions and guidance, especially coming from the care system yourself?
0: I think what... It wasn't just my mum. I think what it was for me is a key people at the points in my life. Like my, my, my politics teacher saw something in me. He really liked me, right? I had, what, 60-something percent attendance overall in college and his wife was the head teacher. And I never got asked to apply for my place back in second year because I know he advocated for me. Whereas the guy that sat next to me had 93% attendance and had to, had to, had to apply for his place.
1: <laughs> I'd have been pissed. I'd have been, like, I'd have been pissed I'm like what?
0: <laughs> yeah. But you know what it is? I think, I think people along the way have seen something in me that, that they know is not, it is not, it's interesting because there's been two types of people in every educational system I've dealt with, right? I always say this, there's not been one educational institution I've been to where I haven't been called arrogant. But then on the same token, there's been some tutors and some teachers that I've seen through that. And and no, it's not arrogance, but I've been, without knowing it as a young person, very sure of myself in certain ways, knowing what I can do and what my competencies are and and not... Wanting to um, Waste time on things that I don't think are necessary And I'll be vocal about it And it's not necessarily arrogance It's just I actually want to know Why you want me to do this Because it just doesn't make sense to me You know And some teachers see it as arrogance Because I think I'm better and some teachers understand that I genuinely am asking the question <laughs> I Genuinely just want an explanation To satisfy my My my, my um, annoyance <laughs> of the situation <laughs> because I don't understand why I'm in 100% to do foolishness that I don't need to be doing when I can do other things you know what I mean I was always a hard worker I work hard but if it didn't make sense to me I just I didn't want to do it
1: you talked about people seeing stuff in you what do you see in you?
0: Oh, well, that's a really deep question, isn't it? It is. But I, had to, I,
1: had to, I had to ask. I had to ask. I was there in my head. I was like, no, I'm curious. What do you see in you? Okay, I'm
0: going to answer this quite candidly then and quite honest, yeah? Always. That's what I
1: want.
0: I see someone who wants to be acknowledged for more than what they achieve. So, for instance, it sounds really odd. And a lot of my friends now know this because I've spoken to them, but... I really dislike on my birthday getting messages like so proud of everything you've achieved. um, Wishing you all the success next year. And I know that sounds crazy. But like the messages that I would prefer are. Thank you for being a good friend to me this year. Um, You know, well done on prioritising your children and, you know, making an effort. To make sure that you're, you're there Your present is seen I'm, I'm proud of you for for really trying to be The best person you can be Because I think when people see Someone that they deem to be successful mm. They don't they, they don't seem to think There's much be beneath that And It sometimes starts to feel surface level When people All they see is what you achieve
1: I love that response, and thank you for sharing that. And it's very important because I think when one of the aims of this podcast is, I said to you, like, we kind of we go in. You yes, asked me right at the start, like, what are we gonna like, we're going to be on? We're going to get deep. Like, I I'm curious to find out who people really are and what's important to them because a lot of times it is the the accolades or the things that seem very superficial that you see. But then those are not the things that are foundational, they're not at the core. And a lot of times those things can easily fade away. But it's the true essence of what the person's about or what that person wants to put out that I think is really, really important to be able to connect with and understand the most. And you just really articulated that in the, in the best way I possibly could ever dream about with that response.
0: Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I just think it's important, like, you know, I'll step out and I'll do what I need to do in a work perspective when if and when i need to but actually i want to be at home with depth of connections and you know having deep conversations and thinking about life and enjoying the small moments with my friends and their kids as well that's what i want to do when i don't have to step out into work i don't i don't want to be constantly switched on in that manner so when it comes to birthday or christmas or new year i really appreciate the well wishes but, you know, there's, there's more to life. Mm-hmm. I know one thing I'm proud of, actually. What's that? I am proud of myself for persevering with my son since he was four years old learning Mandarin. And he'll be taking his first like official Mandarin exam at nine this month. I'm proud of that. That was hard work. (laughs) Forcing my child to love languages. Now he's asked to learn two more languages. So he wants to learn Spanish and Finnish.
1: You went for the hard. Because Mandarin is is no small play at all.
0: Well, it's the most spoken language in the world, right? Really, or one of them. It's like, basically, if you're going to go into Eastern Asia, then you better learn Mandarin.
1: And it's a great foundation for the rest of the other other languages, actually, because they're all... Mix up of mix up, but they all start with that foundation of Mandarin, just like we do with English kind of stuff. So that's that's important. That's yeah. amazing.
0: I just I just I just want my children. My my daughter learns Mandarin as well. I want my children to be worldly, not Western, mm. to understand that there's more outside of the Western world and Western culture. That there's a world because I feel like even people that aren't even even there's some people that are like don't get out of their city. Or don't realize that th- the, this, you know, the world's bigger than the UK. I feel like then there's a whole group of people that don't understand that the world is bigger than the Western world, and the way that we see things, and or we were taught to see things, in the political ide- ideologies and the cultural norms over here. So I feel like the Far East is um, quite a far far cry from um, from the Western world,
1: and it's just a start. You're doing that anyway with your, even with the traveling that you're taking them on and exposing them to different cultures. They get to see that as well in person, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to taking them to South America, but I'm I'm, I'm worried about them. I know they're going to moan a lot. You know, it's gonna, it's just going to be a lot of walking. It's going to be a lot of walking, isn't it? Like Machu Picchu and Rainbow Mountain and all those things. They're just, they're going to moan at me, but you know, they'll be all Go right.
1: then. <laughs> they might not appreciate it right now but when they're older they will I hope so I want to ask you two more questions I we need to we need to wrap up Um, first one is I want you to fill in the blank black women need what?
0: right I'm not even going to answer that question and you know why I'm not because if this is so interesting like I'm obviously asked to speak about being a black female a lot of the time and for me that wasn't the thing that posed uh, 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 I, I, didn't, I didn't see myself as a I, Don't get me wrong, I've always seen myself as a black woman But that's not the barrier that I saw first So the barrier that I saw first that I've always thought about That I've been trying to overcome more so Is being someone that's from the care system So before I can even think about being a black woman I'm thinking about being a looked after child so my, my, my thought process has never really gone to black woman this, black woman that.
1: How do you feel then in those instances where, like you said, people was viewed as black woman this, black woman that, because that's what they see right from the outset?
0: But I am. I am. I am. And, and but it's not something that, it's that, that hurdle I have not found to be greater than being from the care system. So those hurdles that I have experienced as a black female have not really presented themselves as much. And and I'm going to be honest, like, I think it's twofold and this this goes a bit deep, but there is a thing around colourism. I firmly, I, everyone knows. And the reality is I know that I have found myself in opportunities or like, more palatable to white people. Do you know what I mean? So actually, I've benefited from a lot of diversity initiatives, but I genuinely think a lot of it comes from the fact that I am, like, more palatable. I acknowledge that. So in being a black female, I've still got preference in some areas, and I can acknowledge that. I've still got a bit of a leg up. I've had it. And I notice it. I do notice it. I, I always say to some of my male friends, it's ironic, but white middle-aged men, yeah, I get a, I get a lot of help from them. And they, they seem to like me. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. And uh, I don't always see the same with my friends who are darker skinned. And that might be coincidence, it might be personality, but I definitely think it has something to do sometimes with colourism, whether that's um, subconscious or conscious.
1: The fact that you're very aware of it, do you then think in your head like, okay, I'm who I am, I'm doing what I'm doing, but you're utilising it for opportunities for other people as well? So in a sense, you're using your power to be able to make a difference.
0: We try, we do try, yeah.
1: And how would you define the word leadership?
0: Putting others before yourself.
1: You always do that?
0: Not always because you can't always. But in order to have a team that is driving forward and you get the best out of you have to think about their feelings before your own. I think I think there's times where you can you know, there, there, there are boundaries to that. But you have to... So, for instance, it's interesting. I'll, I'll put it this way. I tell my staff openly, right? At the moment, we're quite a small business, right? So the reality is, unfortunately, especially because I'm the one driving it and it's me that has to go out and meet people and generally it's people want to meet me, the business kind of has to work around me, has to work around my schedule. I can't really work around their schedule as much you know what i mean i try and be flexible but it does have to work around me because i have to drive it and until it gets to the point where we're a bigger firm i can't really um i I can't really not have it driven around me a lot of the time if that makes sense but at the same time trying to listen to people and putting their thoughts and their feelings because the reality is In being unselfish, you actually get the selfish gains that you need from people. So that is why you do need to put other people first, even if it's for your own self-benefit a lot of the time. But there are boundaries and nuances to that.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. It's my take on, on that, which is quite interesting. I was having a conversation about this yesterday. And I said that most leaders need to be selfish to be unselfish. Which is around the fact that you need to create that time for yourself to be able to pour out into other people so they get the best of who you are rather than just always pouring out to other people and then they get just the mediocre of who you are and what you're capable of.
0: Yeah, 100%. There's a balance. There is a, There is definitely a balance. But I think, I think my point comes more from, let's say we're talking within an organisation and within the confines of, your organisation working 9 to 5 or 10 to 6 within those hours, your team are more important than you for a majority of the time.
1: Thank you for this conversation. I, I appreciate the, your candidness, your directness, the realness, actually. Um, I found that really, really refreshing. And the amazing things that you are you have done already... And I know you say that, you're not sure what the future holds, but that momentum, like you said, is rolling really, really well for you guys. And I know there's going to be a lot, there's a lot more to come from you because you're one of those people who is like, all right, I'm doing this. We're set up. I don't have to be involved in this day in, day out anymore. What's next? Yeah. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> That's you day in, day out. But fundamentally, it goes back to you wanting to make a difference, especially in the care system. And, like I said, right at the start, social mobility, like for you, that's that's key. That's that's your heritage, that's your history. And you're already doing that. And, any way, shape, or form that, like I said, it can just amplify that message and get other people just to help and support you. Um, definitely happy to do that. But it's amazing to see what you've done. Like I said, I've been following you for the last number of years, and so many people are like, you need to know about Tina, she's doing this and doing that. I'm like, I've seen it i want to hear it for myself like i want to i don't really understand who that person is and you have just taken that to a whole different level today Today's conversation so thank you very much
0: thanks for having me and very kind words
1: this is everyday leadership all the information about um, tina about her both organizations so i'm sky high and the purpose agency will be available in the show notes so you can definitely tap in and get involved with i will see you all While you're still recovering from that amazing conversation, let me give you a quick preview of what we got coming up next week. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out.
0: You know, nature doesn't go away, right? It's there and it will find its path. And I think also sometimes when you don't pay attention to that, you know, it can become more of a negative thing, right? So, and I definitely had my, you know, bouts of, you know, less than positive energy about, you know, the system, <laughs> however you want to put it. But I also wanted to, you know, I wanted to be educated and I wanted to succeed, right? So I wasn't, I didn't quit school, you know, I, I, I didn't do that. I think it, it came out in, in ways that I guess I would I would call it like a desire to make things better.